0: Good evening. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Connor Boyer. Uh, I'm 21 years old and I've, uh, I've been attending St. Michael for as long as I can remember. Uh, I, was, I went here uh, to Sunday school in kindergarten and uh, I was the troublemaker in class. Um, I think I'm the only student to ever be sent down to the office. Again, this was Sunday school. Um, I uh, attended all the way up through uh, middle school and uh, I got confirmed here. Um, and then in high school, I, I attended youth group. And uh, now in my college years, I'm actually here on staff at the church. Uh, I work in the uh, youth directing team. Uh, and I find it really rewarding. I love it. Um, it's awesome to see, you know, these youth here and uh, them putting in an effort to uh, put a service like this together and just grow in their faith. It's uh, really rewarding to me. Um, I also work at a, a movie theater, uh, the Canton Cinema on Ford Road. And uh, I know what you're thinking when I say that. Yes, I get free popcorn. <laughs> and free movies. No, I can't get you discounts. Um, so I found that uh, I kind of noticed that in life, some of the most uncomfortable moments uh, are sometimes things that we can see coming. Um, so like maybe you, maybe you go to a movie theater and uh, you go to see, like, some scary horror film. And uh, you go in expecting to, you know, be scared to, for there to be jump scares, things that kind of, like, freak you out. Maybe even you expect to be uncomfortable after the movie. Um, but yet, you know, when that happens, you're still freaked out. You're still uh, cause you to scream and maybe jump and lose your popcorn. And then some unnamed employee has to clean it up. <laughs> but, or, or maybe you've, uh, you know, gone to an amusement park and you've ridden, like, a roller coaster, uh, and you're waiting in line and, you know, there's a big hill on this roller coaster and, you know, you expect this drop coming, but as you're going up the, uh, the hill, you, you'll, you get freaked out. It starts to scare you. Um, you'll often hear yourself or others in that moment say something like, uh, here we go, um, something bad's about to happen. Uh, has anyone ever experienced that, like, calm before the storm, that, like, here we go moment, you know, something bad's going to happen? My parents expressed similar thoughts when they found out I'd be talking tonight. <coughs> the, uh, the disciples are some of my favorite people in the Bible. And uh, when, I, when I bring up the disciples, you probably picture uh, middle-aged men, you know, with beards, like kind of like in the pictures in that video. Uh, but that wasn't the case, at least not during Jesus' time on earth. Um, you see, Jewish culture believed in educating kids as young as five years old in uh, scripture. They'd be required to memorize whole books of, the, of God's word. And uh, this training was extensive, and it would usually last until they were about 12 or 13. Uh, it was at that time that the, uh, the, the students who performed the best th- throughout their training they would approach, uh, they'd approach a rabbi. And they'd ask that rabbi if they could become their follower or their disciple. And now who the rabbi allowed to become his disciple was an indication of himself and an indication of those who followed him. You see, like I said, only the best and brightest were chosen. Uh, those who had all sorts of academic achievements and those who, uh, uh, the, who the rabbi deemed worthy enough to follow him. Um, and once someone was rejected from being allowed to become a disciple, there was no going back. It was, that was it. You couldn't go for more training or anything like that. Uh, and the reason this becoming a rabbi's disciple was such an exclusive honor was um, because it was the rabbi's public acknowledgment uh, to the to his disciples and to those who saw his disciples, that I believe in you, you can be like me. Now those not chosen, they then have to be taught some sort of trade or skill, and uh, this is what they would use to get a job, and that job would be how they support themselves for the rest of their lives. And uh, there was you know all sorts of things. There was craftsmen, carpenters, uh, innkeepers, uh, farmers, and fishermen, uh, all sorts of things. Now Jesus did something different. Jesus went to his disciples and he called them to follow him. Now remember, in Jewish culture, it was the boys who approached the rabbi. So for Jesus to go out and pick his own disciples was something that just wasn't thought of. It was counterculture, especially considering the people he had following him as disciples. You see, the disciples, um, they weren't the best or the brightest. They weren't even considered to be in the top tier of their classmates. And it was only a few years after their training had ended that uh, Jesus called them. Uh, in Matthew 17, uh, Jesus and his disciples, they're going to the temple, and uh, he, he tells Peter, he says, Peter, go pay the temple tax for you and for me. Uh, he actually he tells him to go catch a fish, and he gets the coin out of the fish's mouth, and then he pays that. And uh, that's quite a catch. Um... But uh, so uh, Peter goes and pays the temple tax for him and Jesus, and this is significant because in Jewish culture at the time, only those over the age of 20 would have to pay the temple tax. So, meaning that the rest of the disciples, except for Peter, were teenagers. They weren't middle aged men, but in fact, they were the first ever youth group. (laughs) And Jesus, the first ever youth pastor. And I'd like to focus in on Peter for a moment. Uh, as you all know, Peter was originally Simon uh, until he met Jesus, and Jesus renamed him Peter. Um, and the Hebrew name of Peter literally means rock or stone. Uh, Peter was the oldest member of this first youth group. Uh, he, was, he was a member of what was called the inner circle, of Jesus' inner circle. Uh, here at our youth group in, at St. Michael, we have uh, what are called senior leaders, and uh, Sean and I, once a month, will uh, meet with them and we'll uh, we'll plan the next month's curriculum and Bible study, and uh, we'll go over events that we can do as a youth group. The inner circle was this first youth group's senior leaders. And Peter, being a part of that inner circle, he got to witness some of the most unbelievable moments that are recorded in the gospel. Uh, he was he got to witness Lazarus being raised from the dead. Uh, he was in the room when Jairus' daughter was brought back to life. Uh, he he witnessed Jesus' transfiguration on the mount. Uh, Peter was the one who got to walk on water uh, while all the other disciples were afraid of who was calling to them in the storm. The Gospels record that Peter was the first person to proclaim Jesus as the one true Son of God, the first of the disciples. And uh, they also record that all throughout Jesus' ministry, um, you know, he loved Jesus, and he was always asking questions, and he wanted to learn more and he wanted to, to, to become more and more like Jesus. But uh, Peter, Peter had a problem. Peter, uh, he was afraid. He was afraid of those who were in power. You see, it was no, it was no secret that Jesus had his enemies and that there were, there, those who were in control felt that their control was threatened by Jesus. So they would take steps necessary to stop that threat. And Peter knew this. So isn't it almost poetic that uh, at the Last Supper, it's Peter who speaks up and says, Jesus, I would follow you to the grave. If all other others fall away, I would die for you. It's in this moment that Peter, or that Jesus, rather, does something uh, different. He reveals what's going to happen. Now, Jesus would commonly tell his disciples uh, things about the future, and what would happen, but usually he would do it using parables, uh, and there'd be some kind of lesson attached to it. Uh, For Jesus to very bluntly say, you're going to deny me three times was uncommon. Uh, And this wasn't, this is the point in the narrative where the demeanor of the disciples begins to change. This wasn't a, it seems to be like when we read the narrative now, it seems to be a glossed over moment. But this was huge. This was massive. Peter was their leader. He was Jesus' most trusted disciple. Jesus telling Peter that he would deny him three times shocked everyone and shocked no one more than it shocked Peter. So what does Jesus do? He knows that this is going to be his last chance to, to spend with all of his disciples before he goes to make his ultimate sacrifice. So what's his final message before he goes off to die? He says, Take this bread, eat it. This is my body. Take this, this wine, drink it. Do this, uh, this is my blood shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus' final message was forgiveness. Forgiveness. And it's, isn't it ironic that although the disciples didn't know that what, the price for, what the price for forgiveness was, Jesus still spends the rest of the supper comfort, comforting them. See, it's because the Last Supper was meant for the disciples. It was meant for those who were at the table. Oftentimes in Jesus' ministry, uh, the disciples would ask him about heaven. It would be even some of those who would follow him, they'd ask him, you know, what was heaven like? And uh, he would commonly compare it to some sort of uh, banquet or like a feast with lots of food, which sounds like heaven for most of us. Um, and in one particular parable, uh, Jesus is, uh, there's, this, there's this master and he's throwing this, this great wedding banquet and he sends his servant out to invite all sorts of people to come to his uh, wedding, wedding feast. And the servant goes out and he returns and he says, you know, I invited a lot of people, but they keep coming up with reasons not to attend. to attend." Uh, One guy said that he had just bought some land and he hadn't seen it yet, so he has to go see it. Uh, Another man said that he had just purchased some oxen and he wanted to yoke them and try them out. And then yet a third man had said that he was a newlywed and therefore couldn't attend a social gathering. So the master gets upset and he says, you know what, go out and invite the poor, the cripple, the lame, the blind. Go out to the country roads, go out to the streets, invite everyone. He demands that his house shall be full. We are all invited to partake in the Last Supper. Everyone who's alive, everyone who's ever lived, and everyone who ever will live. Now for many, the answer is pretty easy. It's easy to accept an offer to eat food. Um, But for many more, it's not their thing. Um, Yet for others, they may be there physically, but they're not there mentally. Maybe they're not there spiritually. How many of us, have gone to uh, some sort of, um, you know, social meal with uh, friends or family. Maybe they go to lunch with some relatives or a dinner party or whatever it may be. And uh, you go, and there seems to be someone there who's just apart from what's happening. Um, They're physically in attendance, but they just don't seem to care about what's going on. It would be like going to the Last Supper, denying the bread, not drinking the wine, missing the part about forgiveness. How often this trend continues in today's world? How many people are at the table but miss the point? How many people nationwide after this Easter Sunday morning is over they'll leave church and they won't see the inside of it again till December? Even more, how many people maybe go to church every week and uh, they, they, re- they regularly attend and uh, yet when they leave church it's like they leave Jesus there. It's like they have their their personal lives, and their church lives, and they don't have one mixing with the other one. There was an original disciple at the, last, at the Last Supper who missed the point. He was a troubled teen. He uh, struggled with greed, and uh, he saw who he, Jesus was, and uh, he thought that Jesus was going to be someone that overtook Roman, Roman control, Rome's control of Jerusalem. Uh, his name was Judas. And Judas is proof that it's possible to be at the table, but miss the point. When we look at the Last Supper and we get the point of the Last Supper, I believe there's one more takeaway. All right. Well, it wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a first sermon without some technical difficulties. <laughs> so, uh, although, if you're, if you're at the Last Supper and you, uh, you, you, mit, you get the point, I think there's one more takeaway. You see, although this is uh, Jesus' last... At the end of Jesus' ministry, um, it's the beginning of the disciples' lives lived for Jesus. You see, like I said, uh, well, the disciples were about to experience the worst night of their lives. Um, This was going to be a rough night for them. And Jesus saw all the choices they would make. He saw that all of them, all but one, would abandon him. He saw Peter, his most trusted disciple, the oldest, one of his most trusted disciples, would deny him three times and abandon him. But he also saw the Peter that would be the stepping stone for the early church. He saw the hundreds of lives that would be converted to Christianity because of Peter. He saw the, he saw, uh, the millions of lives that would be converted from the disciples sitting at the table. He saw Matthew and he saw John. And he knew that, the, that they would record this night, this Passover night, and that Christians in 2015 in Canton, Michigan could gather to remember this moment. Jesus was a motivator. Uh, and when it comes to Jesus, there's only two options. There's accepting him, and there's rejecting him. Now, when Jesus is accepted and he becomes your savior, the only outcome is becoming all Jesus wants you to become. He saw, potential, he saw the potential at the table that Passover night. And he sees the same potential here in this room tonight. Whether it's preaching, worshiping through music, uh, being active in your church, or maybe you're just that person who, uh, whose faith is so, so bright, whose light shines on everyone, and people are just drawn to Jesus through you. Whatever it may be, we are the disciples of Jesus in today's world. So throughout the rest of this, uh, the rest of this Holy Week, uh, I, I challenge you with this. Ask yourselves, how can you let Jesus help you reach your full potential? Uh, he offers you a seat at his table. All you have to do is accept it. Amen.